thank you for the encouragement. I, uh, I've, I enjoy being with you guys and seeing you. And so um, I'd like to start with prayer, if I could, for just a minute. I know we just prayed. Is it okay to pray more than once in a day? Okay, good. All right. Uh, let me pray. Would you join me? Lord, I pray that, um, that I would get this right, that um, the things that I say would be in line with your word and things that are true and things that, uh, that you want us to understand. And if not, Lord, just uh, don't let us even hear it. Don't let me say it. Um, just direct us, Lord, according to uh, what you've, you've taught us in your word. We thank you for uh, drawing us near in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you again uh, for the past two weeks. You guys have been uh, really, really attentive, and I appreciate that. So uh, this is my, my last, the third of three of like this teaching time. And then next week, uh, we're going to have a special extended time of, of worship together. Um, we'll have maybe more songs than we, we'll have more songs than we normally do. We'll have some times of prayer. We'll have some of you guys involved, uh, in prayer and scripture reading and some, just a real special time, just uniquely crafted for our time here together based on some of the things that we've talked about, uh, as far as what worship means and what it is and, and what's important about worship. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we just started with what is worship and there was a, where, what does the word worship come from? Anyone remember? Word worship, you remember? Worship, very good. Yeah, so you're, tell, you're telling God what he is worthy of. And we just sang a couple songs about how worthy he is, right? So he's worth everything. So a way that we worship him is not by just giving God cash and saying, there, I worshiped you. What he actually wants is us. Romans 12 says, worship God by offering yourselves to God as an act of worship. So that is, uh, that's how we worship God because um, he he, he loves you, and he wants you in, in your life. Um, so that's what is worship. Last week, we talked about how do we worship. What's the most important thing about how we worship? We said last week. And remember that. What's the most important thing about how we worship? Yes, Lucas? It's through Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Uh, if it's not through Christ, actually, um, it's not really up to us. God, on his terms, that's the way that he provided for us out of his love that we could worship him is through Jesus Christ. So when you, when you are truly worshiping God, it's always through Christ. And that goes for not just us, but anyone in the world ever. Uh, worship can only occur through Christ. Um, so we can, we can talk more about that. Um, and because of Jesus, because of what he has, he has entered permanently into this holy place in heaven, and that Old Testament temple, tabernacle thing on earth with all the sacrifices was just a shadow of that. It was just a copy of the real thing in heaven. It says that Jesus, when he died, he entered into the holiest holy in heaven by his own blood because God is so holy that uh, sinful people couldn't worship God without dying. That was our big problem. You know, we were not holy. God is holy and if people try to stand in the presence of holy God, we might think, well, I'm pretty good. I'm better than most people. But it's actually he's so holy that you can't worship him without dying. That's a big problem. So Jesus made that once and for all in our place so that he entered in by his own blood once and for all. So everyone who worships through him, you're not only allowed to go into God's presence without dying, um, you are welcome there. And even beyond that, God invites you there. In Hebrews 10, it says, uh, if we, uh, with a full assurance of faith, draw near to God because of this sacrifice of Christ. I don't know if you feel like God wants you to be near him, um, but the, 
the Bible says that you are. You were invited to draw near to God. I think God wants us to worship him more than we want to worship him. I think he wants us to be closer to him more than we want to be close to him. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he invites us through Christ. That's why Christ came, because God, if you have any doubt of whether or not God loves you, just think about what Christ did um, so that we could draw near to God. So um, what is worship? How do we worship? It's, it's through Christ. And so I want to talk to you about why, why would we worship? Why do we worship? Um, I hope that it's a normal part of your life to worship God. And that can come in a lot of forms, and uh, hopefully it's getting a little more clear of what we're talking about when we're talking about worship. But I want to go over some reasons of why do we worship God. Here's, here's some wrong reasons that I've seen. Um, wrong reason number one, wrong reason number one to worship God is to impress God. And I, to act kind of spiritual because, you know, I've seen this a lot where people feel like, you know, I haven't really been a very good person. I've done a lot of bad things. I've seen this in, in, in people as a pastor. And they'll think, well, maybe if I just go to church a little bit, it'll kind of balance that out. You know, maybe, maybe God will be, God's probably really mad at me, but if I go to church a little bit and I worship a little bit, maybe it'll, it'll just kind of take the edge off and I'll, I'll balance the scales and God will be happy with me um, where he's not very happy with me right now. Sometimes people think that way. They think that you worship God in order to impress him or to earn his favor. Um, if I do this for God, then maybe he'll be pleased with me and he'll give me stuff. Or maybe he'll answer my prayers. Or maybe, you know, he'll keep me from, um, from trouble. Maybe it'll take care of the guilt that I'm feeling. That's really a, a wrong reason to worship God. And I'll tell you why. Um, number one is... God isn't really pleased with us, per se, in ourselves, because we've all been affected by sin, and he's perfect. He's pleased with Jesus. So when we think we're going to try to enter our, in our own name and try to earn favor by doing good things, we're kind of like saying we don't need Jesus. We'll just do our own good things. But God is so pleased with Jesus. And for you you don't have to bear that burden anymore. That's the a, that's a wrong reason to worship God is to try to earn his favor because you couldn't do it anyway. Um, but instead, you have the righteousness of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus to cover you. Anyone have a big, fluffy robe? Anyone wear a big, fluffy bathrobe, do you? What, what color is it? Is it? Oh, yeah, Ninja Turtle one? Yeah, I have a, I have a blue robe. It's navy. Yeah, yeah, what's... That's awesome. A big, puffy, pink robe. Yeah? Like, like reaches down to your ankles, like one of those kind? Okay, cool, cool. So imagine the biggest, fluffiest robe on a cold winter day, and you get up, and you don't want to get out of bed because it's so cold, but you just wrap that big, warm robe around you. There's a description in Scripture about the righteousness of Christ, and it says that God has wrapped us with his righteousness, kind of like with a robe. And this is a prayer that when I started leading worship, I was 22 years old, leading worship at a church. And, um, you know, I was young. I was nervous. I was nervous every single Sunday. People talk about, you know, being nervous about singing up in front of people. I wanted to run away every Sunday morning. I just felt like I'd, I was just nervous and sh like shaken and I'm, I'm worried, like, what do they think of me? Am I 
Am I doing a good job? But then I would just pray a little bit right before I walked up there, and I started praying, God, would you just cover me with the righteousness of Christ? Just cover me. Um, and that was just a simple prayer that I would pray before I'd go and lead in worship. And I, and, and I just feel the encouragement from Scripture because it says that God has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. And then in, um, in the New Testament, it talks about the, the righteousness of Jesus being wrapped around you as well. So when God sees us, if we're in Christ and we're worshiping in Christ, he sees the perfection of Jesus, and you can't get any better than that. So here's the thing. If you're feeling the burden of having to earn your place in front of God, to earn his favor, to think, well, God's mad at me, and I need to make him happy with me, you're putting way too much on your own shoulders. Jesus already did that for you. So instead, we approach God by faith, not by earning it, by trying to make God happy with us. Um, so that's, that's the good news. That's why it's a wrong reason to try to worship by impressing God, um, because we couldn't do it, number one. And second, uh, don't miss out on the joy of just being uh, wrapped with the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, that's enough. That's enough of a reason that you can approach God. Another wrong reason that I've seen uh, people worship is to get an emotional high. Um, you know, like, like they, they're like, oh, I'm so excited to go to worship. It's going to be so awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have these great feelings because I'm, I'm probably going to get goosebumps. Do you call them that or goose pimples? You guys, goosebumps? Okay, good. In the South, do they say goose pimples? It's so weird. But, all right, anyway, they do, they do. I, think, I know, it's, you're, you're blown away right now. You're just, goose pimples, who would say that? But yeah, some, somebody might say, I want to go worship because, you know, it's just really inspiring and I love the music and I, and I love this. It just really, really fills me up. Now, there's, I hope that that to some degree is true, that we gather to worship, but we don't worship for the purpose of an emotional high or a feeling that we get, because if we're chasing those things, we're, we're, missing, we're missing the point. Now, worship is supposed to be about God. See, here's the thing. Sometimes as a worship pastor, I'll see people leave a worship service and say something like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. I didn't really like the service today. I didn't like the songs. You know, they didn't pick the right ones. Um, the drummer was too quiet, and the electric guitar was too loud, and I didn't really, yeah, not enough bass and stuff like that, you know? So, but you know what? I, when, when somebody says, well, I didn't really like the songs, I just want to say, well, okay, they, they're not for you. Like, we didn't pick those songs for you. We, we, we picked those songs because we wanted a time of turning our attention to God. That worship service was what we offered to God. What do you think he thought of it? Like when we walk out of a worship service, are we thinking, did you like it? Did you like it? Did you like it? Did you? What about God? Is that what you wanted us to say to you today? Is that, is that the songs that you wanted us to sing? Is the, are those the prayers you wanted us to bring to you today? Is that the response of my heart, God, that you wanted to see from me today? See, gathering for worship is for God. It's not for us. And it can be... Uh, a lot of times if we chase after, well, I really like that feeling, we can start thinking that the worship service is really for us. Um, Lord, is that what you wanted from us today should be our attitude. Another wrong reason I've seen is to elevate ourselves, to elevate ourselves. You know, because the problem in this world is that we don't think highly enough of ourselves. Our self-esteem is the problem. 
We need to love ourselves more, so let's worship to elevate ourselves. When I'm looking for songs to add into you know, our worship services here at the church, it seems like more and more I'm seeing songs out there that are, are much more focused on the human being than they are on, on God, or they're about elevating us. Uh, let me give you a little example. A song I really like singing. See, it's about me. Uh, a song that I think is very God-glorifying is What a Beautiful Name It Is. Beautiful song. You guys know that song? I mean, what a beautiful name it is. It's very focused on the glory of Jesus. What a beautiful name. There's actually one lyric in that song, though, that I actually changed. I don't do this very often, but I changed the lyric in it um, for us to use the song because I didn't want to miss out on the, the song. It seemed like a really good song for us to sing. But there's this one line in it that says, you didn't want heaven without us. So, Jesus, you brought heaven down. And the first time I heard that, I thought, what in the world does that mean? You didn't want heaven without Carl. Like, God was up in heaven. He's like, this is glorious up here, but it's, uh, it doesn't have Carl. Like, if he's not here, I don't want heaven. You know, like, this is just not worth it. I mean, yes, there's angels and everything, but it's just not worth it without Carl. So, 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 you know, this song is written, you didn't want heaven without me. So you brought heaven down. I thought that line could be taken that way. So we actually changed the line said, you didn't want us to be without you. So you brought heaven down. Uh, God, there are so many songs that are elevating the human self higher and higher and higher. It almost starts to sound like God's worshiping us. Listen, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I want to read you some lyrics that I found this week. This is um, a We the Kingdom song. I like We the Kingdom. I've listened to some of their songs. This is called Dancing on the Waves. Some of the lyrics are okay. But listen, what do you think of this? Note that this song is written not from the worshiper to God. This song is written from the perspective of God singing to, to you. Like, this is written from God's perspective. You know, like, I love you, I, I sent my son for you. It's that kind of, it's coming from God to us. And here's some of the lyrics. I set every star into place so you would remember my name. I made it all for you. Okay, so think about that. I set every star into place. I created all the universe. And God says, I did it all for, for you. But you are my masterpiece. You are the reason I sing. This is my song for you. Every star in the sky, I see every, I set every star into place so you would remember my name. I made it all for you, my love, oh my love. You are my masterpiece, you are the reason I sing. This is my song for you. I'm reaching out, I'll chase you down. Come on, I dare you to believe how much I love you, oh I love you. Do you think that God sings a song to Carl like, you are the reason I sing? This is my song for you. I created everything for you, Carl. I don't, you know, it's just so human-centered. It's so, and, and I think we have to be careful that our worship doesn't, we don't suddenly make it about me feeling better. Now, don't get me wrong. Does God love us? Absolutely. God loves us. He placed his love on us. Uh, it wasn't earned. It was out of his mercy, out of his grace. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. The, this, uh, it is true that we are magnificent creations of God made in the image of God. Uh, 
But it's all for his glory, not for ours. That's the ultimate end. The reason when God loves me, when I don't deserve it, it it demonstrates his love and it demonstrates how good he is and how loving he is and how glorious he, he is and how worthy of worship he is. It doesn't like prove to everyone, wow, that Carl, he's like better than God, you know, like God gave everything uh, because Carl was so magnificent, you know, really, I didn't earn that. It's out of his mercy that he loved me and he actually gets the glory for that. We don't worship to elevate ourselves, we worship to elevate God. Our problem is usually not that we don't, that we don't have enough uh, self-esteem. Usually our problem is pride and we, we don't give God enough glory. That's usually the, the issue, is that we aren't giving God the glory that he deserves. Um, so these are all wrong reasons to worship. So what I want to do is, uh, is transition with you to what are, some, what are the good things that happen when we, when we do what scripture has told us to do, when we, when we follow what God has provided and we worship God through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, here's one good thing. We truly draw near to God, forgiven, free, and honest. We don't have to hide. Here's the thing, guys. Some people think when you go to worship God, you're going to be more religious. You're going to be kind of, you know, impressing God. But you know what? When you go and you worship God, you don't have to pretend like you're somebody else. If you've got sin in your heart, God doesn't say stay away. He says, I provided a savior for you. I provided forgiveness for you. I know all about it. Like God knows it. Do you know that God knows? Like he knows everything? Like sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to talk in special language and uh, uh, sound very spiritual and put on a smile um, and try to pretend I'm someone I'm not so that I can worship God. No, you, you go to God as you are because he knows it all anyway. And so we get this chance when we worship God to even let our sinfulness be a part of how we worship God. You don't have to stuff it down and hide it and pretend it's not there. You can even let your sin be a part of how you say, God, I recognize that this part of my life is sinful. I confess it to you. Thank you for your forgiveness that you've given through Jesus. I'm not going to let it keep me away from you. I'm not going to spiral out of control. I'm just going to take it to you and be honest and say, God, thank you for forgiving me. And I you know, I worship you because you're worthy. So, you know, there aren't a lot of religions like that in the, in the world. I would say there's, there's none other uh, where you can be honest about yourself before God and be totally free, totally clean, totally forgiven, not have to put on a fake front. Um, one of the ongoing prayers that I have um, during a worship service, I, I want to get a little more practical with you guys. Let's say you're in a church service and there's songs going on and you're singing the lyrics and then they get to the instrumental bridge. What do you do there? When like the, song, the lyrics aren't going and it's just the quiet instrumental time? Anyone have any ideas? What do you do then? You check your watch, check your social media feed. What do you, what do, you do? Do you do that? Yeah, talk to God. You, any idea of what you say there? What would you say to God during an instrumental bridge in the middle of a song? So you're singing, the Lamb of God in my place, your blood poured out, my sin erased. It is my, it is my death you died, I am raised to life, hallelujah, the Lamb of God. And then you go into this little instrumental bridge. 
What could you say to God there that would, that would be appropriate? Julio? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It fits right in with the song. You're kind of, you're there and you're saying, God, it's so true. Like, what you did is what I deserve. Thank you. You can just silently in your head just be praying these, these prayers. Thank you, God, for, for what you've done, um, for your forgiveness. Were you going to say something similar, Hannah? Yes, great. Um, it, it just really is, this ongoing prayer is, uh, is a part of how we can worship God. Uh, honestly, we can talk honestly to God about who we are. You don't have to pretend you got it all together. That's the, that's the good news of the gospel. Just approach God as you are. A second really good thing that happens is that we become a part of God's master plan. Um, I talked the first week about God's master plan, and I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 and, uh, and read this to you. Um, 1 Peter 2, verses 4 and 5. I should have put a bookmark in it. I bet Brandon could find it really quick. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of men chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, here's the thing. What this is saying is every believer is a, like a living stone being built together into how many buildings? One. One building. All of you, like living stones, are being built together into one building. This is important. This means that God's master plan, remember to have a people set apart for himself as his worshipers? You're a part of that. You're like one of the bricks in the wall. You're like one of the stones that is all built together. It's kind of like that backdrop behind the cross in the worship center. All those stones built together. And built together to be one thing. One spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Sometimes um, people can approach worship and think, you know what, I hope they turn the lights down and I close my eyes and it's just going to be just me and God. Um, God is very personal and so that's not, that's not all bad. But I would encourage you during a worship service to look around the room and see other people and remind yourself that I'm not alone. I'm part of something that's bigger than I am. See, God, God is not just a God of just you and him. He's a God who's calling a whole people, all these living stones built together. That's why in our worship services here, uh, we, that's one of the reasons we don't turn the lights all the way off. Um, I'm not criticizing those who do, but one of the things we did when we designed that room in there is we said, we want the chairs to curve around so that people can see one another. Uh, we want them to hear one another, to remind us that we're not just, it's not just, just me and God. We're, we're part of something much bigger than we are. This is God's master plan. Is a whole church, the whole church all around the world, from every nation, gathered together to worship Jesus. Um, so there's a lot of other verses on that. But that's, that's one of the great things that's happening when you worship, is you're part of... Can you imagine what it's like for God as the world turns around? Um, every, every time zone, you know, another hour. It's Sunday morning somewhere around the world, as the earth turns around, 24 hours of constant worship services all around the world being lifted to Jesus. That's his perspective. 
Um, that's an awesome thing that we get to participate in as living stones uh, uh, being built up as a place of worship. Here's another cool thing that happens in worship. It's in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Um, anyone want to read Ephesians 3.10 for me? It's in the middle of a sentence, but... Oh, okay, that's fine. I'll read it. I got it right here. Uh, Ephesians 3. It says this. Um, well, the verses leading up to it say that God has, has this mystery hidden in ages. Um, and then it says in verse 10, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Um, what this means is, in the church, in this earth, this simple human being filled with the Holy Spirit church that's around the world, God is displaying his greatness to the heavenly realms. That's what it says. Um, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I don't know very much about the rulers in the spiritual realm, the rulers and authorities. The Bible tells us enough to know that there's a lot going on in the spiritual realm that we can't see and we don't really understand. And I'm okay with that. I'll let God handle that. But in this spiritual realm, there's rulers and authorities watching earth. And God is using the church to show off how great he is. He's displaying his manifold wisdom by, by rescuing you, by redeeming you, and, and letting the church be built together. So we're actually participating in something that the spiritual realms are watching and giving glory to God for. Um, I don't know if that's a cool thought to you. That's a cool thought to me. The spiritual realms are watching what's going on in the church and how God is rescuing and redeeming people and they're being built together and they're worshiping Jesus and they are being impacted by what they see. Um, this last Sunday, we had a really special Sunday. What happened here at, at church? Baptisms on Sunday. <laughs> so how many of you, how many of you heard um, uh, the baptism testimonies of these two guys uh, on Sunday? Let me hear. Okay, great. How many of you were positively impacted by their testimonies? All of us, right? Right? That's the thing. When you see Jesus at work changing lives, it impacts you and it gives glory to him. You're like, wow, praise God for what we just saw. And that's what's going on in the heavenly realms. These beings that we can't even imagine. I'm not talking about humans. I'm talking about like spirits and spiritual forces and stuff that I don't know about. But the Bible says that God is showing off how great he is to them um, through us. That's a pretty cool thought. Um, another really good reason to worship is that we are designed to build up the church. When we gather together, one of the things that God wants to do is to use the church to build up the church. He wants to use all of the different parts of the body of Christ to bless all of the others. So one of the good reasons, one of the great reasons of gathering together is not to be just me and God, but to um, be used by God to impact and build up the rest of the church, just like I was saying with the, with the baptism testimonies. Um, it says, let all things be done for the building up. The Holy Spirit works in each person for the common good. Uh, the church builds itself up in love. We are designed so that God will use the church to 
bless and make the rest of the church spiritually healthy. And so that's, uh, that's one of the cool things that goes on when you gather and worship. You're actually impacting the people around you. There have been people that I've watched um, just sing to God, or I've heard their testimonies, or I've heard them pray, and it's had a big impact on me, and they don't even know it. I've just I've seen them, and it's, and it's built me up because of the way that they humbly just glorify Jesus. You know, there have been lots of people in my life that have that impact. Uh, let me give you one more big reason of why we worship God. See, our biggest problem is not that we, it's really not that we don't treasure ourselves enough, it's that we don't treasure God enough. Worshiping um, together fixes our idols. It fixes our idol problem. That's really our big problem, is that we're all made to worship. We're all created by God to have this capacity to worship. And when we replace our worship of God with something else, worship of self, worship of comfort, worship of, of, uh, of money or, or pleasures or whatever, uh, other people's uh, you know, um, uh, approval, whatever kind of idols we have in place of God, um, true worship will realign our hearts to what's real, to what's true. When we worship, uh, it realigns our hearts to what really matters. Somebody once questioned Jesus about the Sabbath, and they said, you know, what are you supposed to do on the Sabbath, and what are you not supposed to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, you know, the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. In other words, this day set aside for worship was a gift for mankind because they, it's good for them. It blesses them. It's, it's something good that God has given us. A day of worship, set aside for worship, will realign our hearts. Otherwise, we think that like work, 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 work is what life is all about. It's not. You know, Going to school every day, doing your papers, and, and you're studying for tests. Did you know that's not what life is all about? I mean, do your best. Do your best. But don't think it's the most important thing. Let a day of worship each week remind you what life is all about, what really matters the most. Sabbath is a gift for us. Worship is a gift for us. So um, I'd like to close with just a very uh, brief couple of verses from the book of Revelation. So let me invite you to just, um, maybe it'd be okay to just close your eyes. You don't have to, but I would, I would encourage you to just close your eyes while I read uh, these verses from Revelation 4. And just let your imagination try to like uh, hear what I'm saying and just imagine what it was like. Because God gave John this vision of uh, what his presence looks like. And it says this in Revelation 4. Behold, there was a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I had heard come speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on those thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. 
And around the throne, on each side of the throne, were four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, full of eyes all around and within, day and night, never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns down before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created lord god this image in your presence is mind-boggling but it reminds us lord of what really matters it reminds us of what eternity might look like just a little glimpse into being in your presence lord our problem is not that we uh, don't worship ourselves or our problem is that we don't worship you enough Um, we keep elevating ourselves instead lord i pray that you would humble us um, as we humble ourselves before you and bring worship to yourself this is reality this is the scene in heaven where we will be once and for all if we are in christ Uh, help us to learn to worship you to love you uh, to draw close to you thank you for accepting us as we are and for covering us with the righteousness of Christ so that we can worship you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.